The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Provoke Media's video conversation on creative branding in China, which we're very happy to bring to you with the Orange Blowfish. Uh, featuring in today's conversation, we have Hilda Chan, who's Managing Director for Greater China at A6. Welcome, Hilda. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello. And we have Xiu Tang, who's Founder and Creative Director at the Orange Blowfish. Welcome, Xiu. Hello, everyone. Hi, Arun. Hi, Hilda. Hello. Thank you both for joining us. Um, so let's get into it. Obviously, a lot has changed in terms of how retail brands are connecting with consumers in China. Um, the Orange Blowfish has been um, very helpfully uh, talking our readers through some of those changes, through some of the content it's produced on our site. Um, and what we have here, I think, is an opportunity to really uh, dig into some of those lessons um, with a company that's kind of been on the front lines um, of all of these changes and, and this sort of broader transformation, I think, in terms of how global brands uh, are engaging uh, with local consumers um, in such a critical market, China. Uh, we've had pandemic lockdowns, and now we have this so-called new normal um, where people are back, people are back in stores, um, and that kind of happened in China uh, to some extent ahead of the rest of the world. So there's lessons um, for the world from China's experience. Um, and there's also, of course, I think broad lessons in terms of how uh, global brands get their consumer marketing right uh, in a country where local insight is so critical. So we have, there's, there's a few things, I think, here that are of, of real interest. So let's get this underway. So Hilda, if I could start with you. Um, very simply, how is ASICS localizing its creative approach to better appeal to Chinese audiences? Uh, yes, I think um, what we're doing here in China is uh, obviously we have our uh, global campaigns and we have our, um, you know, the uh, global messages uh, every year um, in our marketing campaigns. Uh, what we're trying to do in China is really uh, to create a emotional bonding between what you know the uh, message that we are trying to give to the uh, Chinese market, um, that is really you know still staying relevant to what our brand is trying to communicate. So I think you know building the emotional bonding um, between the brand and with the customer, um, it's really very effective into you know having the Chinese consumers um, understand about the brand. And it really does help to form a linkage between um, the brand itself, between the company's um, philosophies, its DNA, um, and also, you know, uh, to the Chinese consumer. Um, we do a lot of localization, so the message is the same. Um, it's consistent with globally. Um, however, uh, we are applying, you know, the same message, but mostly into a Chinese context um, that is uh, more relevant for uh, Chinese consumers. So, um, you know, the message is the same, but how we actually implement and how, what kind of methods we use in China market um, could be a little bit different from global. Yeah. Sure, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that um, 
as we get into this conversation. Seal, over to you. Um, what do you see in terms of, of global brands localizing their creative approach in China, and how do they, I suppose, you know, achieve that kind of relevance at a local level? So I think you know we've been here for well, I've been here, and I think uh, you know as, as a company we've been here for ten plus years now. And you know when we first started out, I think you know that the mindset was very much you know. We've got a great brand. We're from America or from the UK or Australia. You know, come buy our products because we're awesome. And you know, we're we're from overseas. And and you know, again, brands have a legacy, and that's ultimately something that people do buy into because there's a there's a level of authenticity that you know uh, they can talk about, and they have that experience, that expertise. But again, it's how do you communicate those messages to consumers here in China? Um, you know, we we think about it more traditionally as you know when you experience a brand. Typically, you know, you you might be going to, for example, to Paris, and you'll come across a, a, a luxury brand. And as you're experiencing that brand in that market, then you can really kind of communicate some of your core values because you're in a in Paris, and that's where your products are made. And so consumers kind of have that connection, but. You know, now with so many brands coming into China with the current state, you know, with, with COVID, um, we find that, you know, the, the most important thing is that customers, uh, sorry, the, 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 the companies coming into China really need to spend more time understanding local insights and also how to have their brand strategy applied to the, the Chinese consumer. Um, rather than thinking, you know, we've got a great brand, you're going to love it. But why would they love it? You know, what are those core essence, those those core values of that brand that would appeal to a consumer? You know, and and their 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 kind of um, everyday kind of usage, even I would say. You know, I uh, I'm going to go a little bit off point here, but you know, what, what what we see is you know a lot of brands coming into China is you know they they have this global strategy and they try to apply it, but some of those events those stories aren't always applicable we just had valentine's day i guess that time stamps this interview but we just had valentine's day um that's valentine's day for the whole world but china their valentine's day happens in the middle of the year so campaigns that are aimed at valentine's day for the global they kind of work and they still apply but actually most people didn't celebrate valentine's day you know had talks with our team um, did they do anything special? And they're like, no, we, we celebrate later. Um, so it's understanding just simple things like that. You know, and then we talk about Chinese New Year as well. A lot of companies uh, have their big push as that is their Chinese campaign. Um, again, you know, Chinese New Year is actually the Lunar New Year here in China um, because it's just the New Year. So it's not, we don't call it the Chinese New Year. It's actually the Lunar New Year. And I feel like there's so many and then that's just the very surface of it, you know, when we think about understanding Chinese consumers, you know, understanding that there are so many differences, different occasions, different moments, um, and then also their expectations in terms of as a consumer um, group, you know, there's so many subsets, you know, you're talking about millennials, Gen Zers, their experiences and their cultures are so vastly different from um, the Western world um, and, and, you know, other countries that, you know, having someone locally on the ground to understand this and listening to their insights rather than, uh, as Hilda said, you know, yes, you have a, a global strategy, but how will that be applied locally? 
Um, and you might not be able to take the whole message and you might really take part of it because only a part of it is relevant locally. So it's how do you take those messages and those stories and really apply it um, and resonate to the, the consumers here in China? Mm. Yeah, the, the, the importance of local insight, it sounds obvious, right? But it's kind of amazing how often global brands get it wrong. I mean, yeah. uh, Hilda, as a global brand, you've been on this journey for quite a while. In China, what are the lessons that you would say you've learned from these experiences that perhaps you know others can apply? Right, um, as Sue said, I think you know I think China market is uh, quite a critical market for any uh, for most of the international brands, I would say, and uh, obviously the local insights are very important. Now, in China market, um, we are faced with a market where. Uh, trends go uh, really fast. So whatever's happening, you know, uh, today, um, you know, we we say that if you don't come, if you don't come and see China for a year, um, you know, the next year, you know, things probably is going to be changing. So um, you know, in the market where uh, trends go really fast, and obviously, um, still also mentioned, you know, we have. Um, different. Um, we have Gen Zs, we have the Millennials, uh, we have maybe consumers, um, maybe in our ages. So, you know, each of these consumer represents different behavior and obviously their values um, and also, you know, their consumer behavior move fast. Um, I would say that China is probably the most competitive market in the world. Um, not because, uh, you know, uh, we are faced with, you know, the, the moving trend. Um, however, I think most of the international brands, um, everybody wants to have their space in China as well. Um, and, you know, in particularly in, in our industry, um, there are also very strong domestic um, brands as well, which are operating um, in China. So, you know, with under this um, fast and always changing uh, market, um, I would say that, you know, um, it's really important um, to always have kind of a trial and error mindset um, because, um, you know, things that what we've done um, may not be successful. Okay, so if it's not successful, then, you know, it's always, um, there's always room for adjustments and there's always room for, you know, fine-tuning um, your strategy, um, fine-tuning your method um, to make it better in the market. Um, the other one is um, obviously is uh, because we are changing so fast and especially, you know, uh, in the digital world where in a way China is very much advanced, um, it's really important um, to be open to new ideas um, even though, you know, uh, you may not be able to catch up with what's happening, you know, the latest. Um, you may know it too well. However, um, it's really important uh, to maintain uh, an open mindset, um, just to try, um, you know, a pilot test or small small projects um, to see that, you know, um, it may work or it may doesn't work. Um, obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the whole marketing integration um, into the digital and offline experience, um, it's very important. Um, so, <clears throat> as I said, um, the contents driven, the storytelling uh, content is what really matters um, right now. Uh, so it's really important um, to to really you know um, dig into the brand, um, visualize the contents, and to make sure that we have the right contents um, for all of the touch points. 
Um, the last thing I would say is actually it's pretty much related to, you know, because everything is happening so fast, um, the trends are, you know, um, very fast as well. Um, I would probably advise that, you know, um, don't forget the brand DNA. Um, because with uh, with such a busy market and everybody's trying to have a voice in the market, it's quite often very, very much easy to be carried away, um, you know, into what's happening here in the market. However, you know, as brands, as brands, we have a long legacy, we have our own DNA, we have our own heritage. It's really important, you know, with whatever's happening, um, yes, we need to have the pilot test. Um, however, you know, don't forget your brand DNA because that's what make us, um, that's what make um, most brands um, vary uh, their values um, in the China market. Yeah. Yeah, really good points, actually, all of those. Steve, did you have anything to add on there in terms of the lessons say, that you've exactly seen? Exactly as Hilda was just saying there, you know, if you're trying to chase these trends and these fads that are happening all the time uh, within, within social media, especially, I think now uh, we've been more connected than any other point in, in history uh, with each other and social media and content that you know you could really get swapped down by that and so working you know uh, creative and also uh, doing branding uh, ourselves for clients it's about focusing on your own core values as a brand you know what is your brand DNA is that she she was, um, she was just saying there for ASICS for example you know ASICS has always been about this performance shoe you know it's always been known as one of the the best shoes for for professional runners so that's you know kind of the at the baked into the core of the brand so rather than kind of chasing after fads it's how how can you talk about that and and really be passionate about it uh but also address people's pain points you know um I think a lot of the time, you know, brands kind of talk about all the good things, but I think more nowadays people want you to be honest and, you know, if things didn't work out, then exactly as Hilda says, how do you change, uh, act fast and change, you know. For another client, we, we were working within retail, you know, there was a big change in some of their products, um, some of the ingredients uh, had changed out, and, you know, we pulled it all nighter to help them to re um, um, change up digital content on their digital platforms as well as in physical stores and that was like 24 hours of madness because we had a Hilda smiling because she's probably done something similar before where something hasn't worked and you want to be honest with consumers and you know need to address the, those things quickly and I find exactly as Hilda says it happens so quickly here um, that we need to move quickly and, and address these things but also I think you know on the other side of things you know where you know um, what we need to do, um, you know, for future clients listening, it's always about planning, right? Because if we have our own DNA and we have our brand stories and we have our, our, our big strategy for the year, is how does that get implemented throughout the year? So having a plan throughout that 12-month period and knowing what we have already scheduled in, but also what fun things we could drop in, you know, to surprise and delight customers as well with brands, throughout the year, I think that's really important as well. So, you know, I think there's, there's, there's kind of both sides and we find sometimes uh, companies are very reactive um, and then they end up not having an overall long-term game plan. Um, and then that kind of suffers because, you know, we've also been on that side where we're doing planning and it's kind of like, oh, well, what's your plan for this year? We don't really have one. And you're kind of like, okay, well, you know, we can work month by month, but then you're always kind of revisiting the same things, which is always talking about the brand anyway. So it's better to have that big planning session up front 
um, do your insights, understand consumers, but then also do that audit as well on a, on a continual basis because as Zilba says, you know, things change so quickly here. You know, 12 yeah, months. It changes quite a lot, yes. Yeah, right? You know, you turn around like, oh, my God, you know, everyone's using a new platform now, you know, uh, on social media or, you know, there's mini apps, programs. You know, everyone was using H5, for example, on, on WeChat uh, for years. And all of a sudden, they're like, we're no longer doing H5. It's all mini apps now mm. inside mini programs within WeChat. And if, if you're not yeah. continuously kind of auditing and just being aware of how consumers trends, tastes, purchasing behavior is changing, you end up, you know, being two or three platforms behind or not engaging consumers at the right point um, and kind of your brand message getting lost. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, these are the kind of lessons that we're learning, you know, we're, we're, we're always kind of, but that's the exciting thing as well, I find, you know, that there is so much happening that, you know, there's all these new technologies and the, you get this new playground of like AR, VR. There's a lot of talk about VR, but it's not good. Mm. I don't know if the meta, metaverse oh. is my thing right now. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, it's on, on that note, I mean, both of you mentioned how quickly things change uh, in China. And, and if you're not, you're not there for a year, then, then you're kind of out of date. And yeah. obviously it's been a, it's been a, you know, an interesting period with, with the pandemic and with the lockdowns. I'm curious to hear if, if, if you know, if, if there are more ch changes that either of you have seen in terms of, of creative trends in China, um, and indeed how you know global brands, global companies can capitalize on, the, on those trends. So Hilda, over to you first, please. Sure, it's interesting. I think it's because uh, pre-COVID, I think uh, most of the uh, emphasis was really on, yes, e-commerce, e-commerce, and e-commerce. Um, however, I think there was always a discussion between, you know, okay, should we be really abandoning our offline stores? I think that's some of the strategic discussions that most international brands or most brands probably have. We're seeing a trend that ever since actually, you know, uh, post-COVID um, within China that there is uh, definitely a lot more investments into the um, retail area in terms of offline. Um, and definitely, you know, uh, we are seeing that um, a lot of brands are really changing their offline environment into more of a service area where consumers is no longer about, you know, setting up your products, but it's really about, you know, how do you incorporate your product and also your brand service um, into the whole consumer journey, um, starting from either online to offline or maybe vice versa. So we're seeing a lot of that, especially after post-COVID. Uh, um, definitely, you know, with the creative world, um, I, I think it's because it's, it's, uh, we used to have an import of cultures um, into the market, you know, an import of maybe Western culture, an import of maybe, you know, um, other culture into the market. Um, however, we're seeing a rise of, you know, Chinese culture um, being incorporated into the designs as well. So we are also seeing that, um, you know, in the recent years, um, there's an integration definitely um, between the West and East. Um, by means of East, you know, there's obviously the, the Chinese, modern Chinese essence. There's also um, Japan, Korea, Southeast Asia. These are very much, you know, very uh, integrated. Maybe Sil can do a better job at this, you know, with, with, with me explaining. Um, but we're seeing a lot of diversification um, in terms of the creative environment here. Obviously, um, 
there's a lot of new technology. I think every brands are trying to um, utilize um, some kind of new technology to express their brand message. Um, definitely, I think, you know, for global brands, um, it's really a good um, platform. I think China is a very good platform for brands to experience with um, new ideas, new concepts, um, and new technology. Um, which maybe could be for export into, you know, out of China, potentially, I think. Um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good market to, to actually to have brands experience, um, you know, uh, a lot of things, um, a test pilot market, for example, uh, for global brands to really capitalize on these trends. Yeah, thanks. That that idea of actually using, you know, learning from China, I think, is a really important one. And I, and I do wonder how many global brands are, are really that open to it. Sue, what, what are you seeing in terms of creative trends? And, and you know, particularly, you know, as, as it relates to retail, I think it's quite interesting, right? Because you do now have lots of people back in stores. Yeah, so, I mean, exactly as Hilda was saying there, you know, about COVID, you know, um, pre-COVID, I think everyone was going online platforms, you know, ordering food online, groceries online, shopping online, you know, consuming content online. And then COVID hit and we found ourselves learning online, you know, experiencing the world through our mobile phones. I know my eyesight's shot now because I've spent way too much time looking at digital devices. It really has. It's gone terrible. But we spent so much time consuming information online that when we were allowed out again, you know, we, we were the first, you know, in terms of um, countries because we experienced that, that initial wave. It was crazy and we were locked down. And, 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 and so when we were allowed out again, you know, the, the ability to experience in person um, going to a restaurant, going shopping, uh, meeting with friends, going to an art gallery, going to public spaces. We Everyone just went out in the droves, you know, safely, of course, but still we wanted to experience things for ourselves again. And that doesn't mean that we then all of a sudden said, you know what, I don't want to shop online anymore. You know, I don't want to order my, um, my lunch online, you know, because I think this still is very much a, that digital part of our lives, which coexists with our physical selves, you know, and it's, it sounds all very meta, but, uh, you know, it, it really has been this, you know, how do we, now consumers want to go out and they want to experience things, how do public spaces kind of change and how do retail spaces change? So, for example, what, what Hilda's saying there, you know, what, what we found is a lot of the, the, the retail experience work we do, it's not just about, you know, people shopping there, because actually, you know, I think, again, there was a time where people wanted to encourage people to shop more in store. And then they were like, OK, actually, um, why do we need physical retail spaces? Let, oh, let's, you know, shut down all our physical retail spaces and people will just buy on Amazon or they'll buy on Taobao or, you know, whatever platform they choose, uh, whichever country. But actually, people still want to experience those brands. They might not buy in store on the same day and they might go to the official account to purchase but they still need an experience with a brand, physical experience with a brand to, you know, to, to build kind of that passion and understanding. So those physical spaces now have adapted. We've found a lot more of the brands that we work with think about their spaces as a community space, a learning space, whereby it allows consumers to go in there and actually understand more about the community that 
you know, the, the brand services. For example, I know um, Hilda's just uh, opened a new space um, in Taiku, Taiguli, right? Yes. Uh, um, on the waterfront. And, it, you know, it's a runner's hub. So there's a there's a running track on the top, right? Am, yeah, I, yeah. am I getting this right? Um, and then there's also, you know, um, services to help people improve on their running gait and posture, choosing the right footwear. Again, you know, ideally, I'm sure you'd love people to buy in the store, right? But yes. if they don't and they, they, they get those shoe measurements and then they go home and they buy online because that's ultimately the convenience, right? If I'm in the office, would I buy the shoe and we take it back? We're actually going to be providing free shoe rental service as well. Wow. Yes, through the store starting next month, yeah. So we're going to be actually doing that. So we're actually enhancing the services as well at the retail store, um, you know, as part of the consumer journey, yeah. In addition, you know, to, to some of the, the running services and, you know, the running events that we, we, we do at the store on a weekly basis, yeah. Yeah, and presumably the shoe rental, that's, that's in response to a, yes. to a local yeah. insight as well. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And it's really good opportunity, you know, to to also, you know, have to have, have the feedbacks from the consumers as well. You know, especially with the new product trials, um, mm. you know, you don't necessarily have to pay that first, but you can, you know, try it out and then, you know, have a run in it and see and come back to the store to get a pair if you're interested. So these are all of the value added services from the brand um, in a way to to really to to have our customers experience um, what we can provide. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what I was talking about. So it's it, the community, right? And it's thinking yes. not for profit first, but actually what do we provide to our consumer? You know, what is that value we're adding to them? And I think that's what a lot of brands are trying to do. We, we work with another brand, a beauty brand called UC, which is part of the L'Oreal group. It's a, a Chinese brand, but L'Oreal um, took the brand under their wing to, to grow the brand even more. And they offer um, skin testing, skin um, uh, run service in store. And what that does is, again, you know, it's, it's that bridging of the digital and the physical spaces. You know, we still have digital content. And the idea is then once you've done your skin test, um, it tells you what kind of skin type you are and then um, what products are right for you. And then you have that on your phone. And you can take that away, review that, and assess it at your own time. And you can go back in for checkups to see, because obviously our skin type changes depending on the weather, um, you know, seasons, and, 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 you know, how much sun you've had. So, again, it's about, you know, creating content that, you know, still connects you to a physical world, but also allowing you to, you know, because, I, again, I think about it from a retail perspective, you know. I think the ideal thing is sometimes when we're designing, we were like, we're like, Put down your phone and come experience this space that we've designed. But the reality is people will go into these spaces and still be having their phones. But it's how to engage them, engage them as a person, but also engage them with their phone. And not to expect them to change customer behavior and all of a sudden have their phone in their hand. And also expect them to put it down and put it away for an hour because that won't happen. But it's how do you engage them and their device at the same time. And then when they've got that content, how do they take that content away and consume it at their own time as well and, you know, help educate them? Um, and that's 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 also the interesting thing is, you know, so it's come kind of gone digital, it's gone to in-person, then it's back to digital that then feeds back into this loop of how do we constantly improve it um, and, and the customer experience. Mm. 
So we just have a few minutes left, and I think for the last question, I just wanted to get your insight into, I suppose, the most common hurdles that global brands need to overcome when it comes to appealing to Chinese consumers. And I know this can be quite uh, a big question, and there's often a lot to go through. So maybe if, if we just, in the interest of time, we just try and limit to limit it to the most, uh, you know, the most popular issues you've seen or the ones that are really top of mind for you at this sort of, you know, unique juncture, I think, uh, in terms of emerging from the pandemic. So, Hilda, how do you see it? Right. Um, I think just to keep uh, a long story short, because there's a lot of hurdles, I think. Um, however, I think it's, uh, uh, it's really about understanding about the Chinese market, because China is a big country. Um, you know, whatever happens in the north may not represent what China is in the south. Um, so even within China, I think there's a lot of uh, local insights when, you look, when we look at within China. So it's really important to understand those differences um, within China. Um, two is, uh, I do think that, you know, with a lot of global brands, it's really important to realize that, you know, the digital ecosystem or the digital platforms that whatever, you know, um, global brands are using internationally really don't work in China because we're on a different digital ecosystem here. So, you know, um, it's a really, um, it's a strategic questions into, you know, uh, what kind of things we should localize and what kind of things, you know, we should follow, you know, global. Um, I think that's probably one of the most common hurdles or discussions that global brands have. Um, last but not least, uh, I think um, it's really about merging um, the marketing campaigns together because we're only not talking about PR today. We are talking about how do we incorporate or integrate the whole marketing campaign from all of the different consumer touch points while trying to keep um, the uh, brand message consistent um, with global. So I think um, it is really quite demanding um, for, for the marketing team here in China to really integrate a close circle between your omni-channels um, here. So I would say these are some of the key points um, for takeaway. Yeah, yeah very, very good list. Um, see you over to you. So, um, again, uh, you know, I think we've touched upon all, all of the, the, the key areas, which is to plan, adapt, test, and engage. So, again, plan, you know, have a long-term strategic plan um, built on insights that, um, you know, you, you've engaged a local partner to ensure that they're relevant and they're still relevant um, in 2022. Um, and then test, as Hilda was saying, you know, building out small test spaces, you know, having flagships or test stores to then, again, go back to the engage to, to talk to the, the, the consumers to see what the feedback is. Is this working for you? And then being nimble enough, you know, even for large organizations, some of the big companies we work with, they're very flexible to move quickly to ensure that they keep adapting um, to the market changes. Um, and yeah, and, 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 and keep an open mind, really. I think this moment in time in China right now is the most interesting, where so many things are happening and changing all the time that, you know, really they're, they're, there's so much freedom. Um, and, and, and I feel lucky as well to be here in China uh, at this point in time because there's so much creative freedom for what we can do uh, and things that we test out. You know, I remember working on a project with Budweiser where, you know, just after COVID, we built uh, a video game to go into nightclubs. And I think back, you know, maybe five years ago, 
having an idea like that and we had a similar idea in a pub and it was kind of like the, the, you know in a, a, a brewery and they were like oh i'm not sure if that works and now you know people are so open-minded with you know just trying out new things um so i think that's 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 the the, the big takeaways yeah keep an open mind you know china is a very different marketplace uh, from what it was yeah yeah definitely i mean that's really encouraging to hear and we definitely look forward to seeing some of these ideas emerge and, and you know i think there's a real opportunity for brands and other markets to learn from the experiences um that china is going through and to learn from you know a complex market where the value i guess of being open-minded of being able to take risks being able to to adapt to new technologies new types of content new forms of storytelling um is, is becoming so powerful um so thank you both. Uh, some really uh, useful, yeah, no, some really useful and interesting insights. Um, and I hope you both have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist Marketeers.